Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. I'm your host, Megan Fitzgerald. This is the last episode of our insecure season for now, because we will, of course, have to go back and rehash everything when the new season releases. But for now, this is it. I'm so excited to share this episode with everybody. At the end of every season, we do a Q&A, and this season we decided to turn it into a roundtable discussion because... There are just so many topics that this show brings up that have people so opinionated and divided and indecisive, I think, in a lot of cases. So Victoria and I thought it would be fun to bring in two more voices to kind of have a full roundtable discussion about all of these topics from the show that we didn't necessarily get to address when just looking at the Issa and Lawrence situation. Victoria brought her sister Adrian, so you'll get to hear a bit of sister banter, which is brilliant. And I brought my friend Vika, who has been on Insecure and is just someone I find brilliant and well-spoken about love and relationships. And it's a really interesting conversation and we really get into it. (laughs) So I hope you enjoy. This is our Insecure Roundtable. Here we go. Okay, so we are here with our guests today. So exciting. Um, Vic, why don't you go ahead and introduce your your special guest? I will introduce my special guest. She is my older sister, Adrienne. I'm not going to lie. I don't know her last name. It's Booth Hoffman or Hoffman Booth. I have no idea which one it is. But the reason I asked her to join is because I told her I was co-hosting your podcast. And then we were just casually talking about Insecure. And then it got weirdly tense. And for the better part of 60 minutes, we were just kind of like, rather personally attacking each other over the whole Molly versus Issa situation. Mm-hmm. So I thought that she might be a good, passionate person to come voice her opinions. Yes. Amazing. Well, Adrian, any response to that? <laughs> yeah. I almost disowned Victoria as my sister. <laughs> Listen, it happens. And I stand by what I said. Everything I said, I stand by it. And we'll get into it, but no one would budge yes. and no one would budge. Yes. So... Thanks for having me. If you get our voices confused, mine's like Victoria's voice, but slightly deeper. So great. Oh, yeah. And also, Adrian, you are the first um, married person to lend their voice to this podcast. So maybe we could all pay attention. You know what? I think I'm going to bring some opinions about Tiffany as a result because I I definitely have them as a married person and being in this friend dynamic. So I'm excited to spew my thoughts. Okay, interesting. Great. Great. Okay, cool. And I'll introduce my guest. I'm this is my friend Vika. And I'm so excited to have her on the show because she is someone who we've known each other since college and she's written about relationships so well for so long and created so many great stories about relationships. And Vika, you are the first actor from one of the TV shows we are talking about to come to the show. Vika is in an episode of Insecure. So give us a little mini rundown. What episode are you in? What was your experience on set? I'm in the episode, I think you guys talked about it last week, the blowjob episode Mm -hmm. with Daniel. Oh, yes. We did cover this. Yeah, when she gets it in her eye and she gets in the lift afterwards, I'm the um, ignorant white girl uh, who's sitting next to her. Basically, she gets in the lift with me, if you've seen the episode, and she's just had this awful experience. And I'm like, hey, can you please turn on the black music? Uh, <laughs> and poor girl is like holding the paper towel to her eye. <laughs> 
and has to sit with me. But I had the most amazing experience on set. I have been an Issa Rae fangirl forever. Like I want to do what she does. Uh, I love Prentice Penny. Side note, listeners, if you have not read his Deadline interview about how we can make Hollywood a better place, it is excellent. It's like an op-ed. And I got there and it was such an amazing vibe. Everybody was so happy to be working together. And um, Issa got in the van with me when we were going to the location and personally introduced herself, which from being on other sets does not always happen and was thanking me for being there. She's like, I know it's a late shoot. Like, thank you so much for being here. And I was like, excuse me. (laughs) Thank you for having me on this amazing show. And I wanted her to like sign my book. It was great. (laughs) Oh, amazing. So we're going to go into relatable content. And this is just going to be relatable content (laughs) for the whole show, all the characters, how, you know, these characters are applicable in our real life. So pay attention because you might be one of these many, many characters. So I did three. I'll do one for now. But I did Molly, Issa and Daniel. And I couldn't decide what order I should go in because, as I've said throughout this entire thing, I do not like Issa in the show. We love her as the creator. As the character, I can't stand her. So I'll do Issa first as our titular character. You might be an Issa if you continuously ask your friends and peers for advice, but then never take it. The worst (laughs) type of person. Just don't ask me for my opinion. She's such a hot mess. Everyone's cleaning up her mess. Take the advice. That's fair. All right, Adrian. All right. I said, uh, you may be a dro if a woman getting in her feelings legitimately confuses you. Oh, you know what? That's a good one. (laughs) He's like, what? I'm treating you like a wife and you're having a reaction to it. I can't can't wait to get into the dro stuff. (laughs) Yeah, the dro stuff. Yeah, that'll be good. That could be a whole season too. All right, Mika. You might be a Kelly if your friends are all fighting and you're the glue trying to keep the fun going. Yeah, she is. Good for Kelly. That's true. Yeah. You might be a Molly if you find a problem with all the guys who want you and ignore the major red flags with all the guys who don't. Megan, how dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Listen, we got to speak some truth to this. And I'll quickly follow that up with my Molly. You might be a Molly if people mistake your admirable ambition, drive, and honesty for just being aggressive. She just knows what she wants. And... Sorry for going for it. Oh, oh we need this episode. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Adrian, go for it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to talk about Issa and Molly with this one. You may mm-hmm. be Issa and Molly if you support and judge each other in equal amount. Okay. Mm, yeah. I love that. That was yeah. their downfall. That was beautifully tragic, that one. <laughs> That's the real love story, I think, of the fourth season is the two of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll watch. I also have a Molly because um, I think I am a Molly. Uh, you Good. might be a. <laughs> I know you are too. You might be a Molly if the limit does not exist and you don't know <laughs> when to take a break from work oh. or really anything oh. or anything. Relationships too. She is like all in when she's all in, which is so much point. passion can be admirable. Yep. You may be a Chad if you present kind of like a man whore, but deep down you can't live without your girl. So you uh, sacrifice and grovel and change to get her back. That is Chad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That is one of my, like, was one of the pleasant surprises, I think, of the men in the show is Chad, Chad coming through. A little full circle action. Yeah. You might be a Daniel if you can't stop vying for your one that got away despite their lack of commitment, lack of thoughtfulness, and just overall messiness. And you know who I'm talking about. Ugh. Issa. 
piner. He's a piner. Yes. Hopeless romantic. Yeah. So you may be a Tiffany and Kelly if your friendship falters just because your lives aren't in the same place. Yeah. Mm. Wow. These are just like therapeutic. The ones coming from Adrian. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is why we, we needed a married woman. We need married, <laughs> married maturity. But that's so true. Like they, and Kelly will not be in the same place as Tiff, I think for a long time. Correct. You know? Yeah, for Correct. sure. Yes. My last one's dedicated to Kelly. You may be a Kelly if you're killing it at work, but your friends would never know because you're so outrageous. <laughs> right. Yeah. She is outrageous. She's outrageous. I love her. But it's like every time they cut to her at work, she's this boss woman. She's got her own <laughs> office. She's telling them how to spend their money correctly. But then she just says the most outlandish, outlandish stuff that you're like, how are you the same person? We don't Yeah, care. you would have no idea that she finds success in the boardroom. Yeah. Right. That's one of my literally favorite interactions is Issa being like, do you listen to yourself? Which is <laughs> all the time I have a podcast. I want to beat Kelly. I, I just really loved that episode with Tiffany uh, when they go looking for her. I just felt like it was so important and heartfelt and just like brought them back to their friendship so this is mm-hmm. kind of just a sweet one but I think you're you know you're a Tiffany when you're having a really tough time but you find out you have a great support system oh yeah a great one to end on yeah I love that they gave her that because her character comes off as so one-dimensional sometimes yeah. and it, like I felt like this was four seasons coming to see this mm-hmm. like crack mm-hmm. in the armor mm-hmm Okay, cool. So we're going to start out. <laughs> we're going to start a little fun. And this is just I always am not going to put this in the out- episode outline. And then every time we do one of the talkbacks, I'm like, we have to do it. We're going to do a little Mary Bang kill. Oh, and- yes. <laughs> one, there is a correct answer. I want everyone to know there is a correct answer. And we'll call you out if you don't get it right. <laughs> okay, I wonder I every single I can never guess. I always think the answer is so obvious. And then it's, it never is with the other person. This one has an obvious kill. I think the obvious kill is Andrew, right? Oh, I kill Andrew. What? Right. Oh, oh no. my gosh. Whoa. Oh. Wait, we, okay. We, two drop jaws. I <sighs> said, I said, Mary Lawrence, obviously. Bang Nathan, again, obviously. And then kill Andrew. What, like, what does he bring to oh, the table, to be honest? That is my exact combination as well. Oh, my so God. I, the other two ladies speak on this. Hard disagree. Wow. Hard disagree. Real hard. I would marry Andrew for sure. <gasps> um yes I love him I'm like I know he's been a serious relationship in real life but oh well and I would bang Nathan and I would kill Lawrence even though I love him what do you okay Adrian what's yours I agree completely so I think that I would marry Andrew because I love him so much I would bang Nathan because look at his face and then I would attempt to kill Lawrence but I'd hope that Issa would stop me before I did it (laughs) <laughs> oh, you got a backstory. Super fair. <laughs> you got, you like built that. a whole narrative into this. I, mean, I just don't want Lawrence to die, but he's the last one in the lineup, you know? Yeah, same. I'm like, I don't want to kill him. I want to also do stuff with him. Yeah. Right. We all bang Nathan, though. I'm glad that that's, that's a universality that we can all agree We all on. want Nathan. <laughs> you can't deny that face or voice. Really- no. Oh, right. my God. We can all come back to Nathan. I have I have more opinions about Andrew later, but that's so funny. I think it's a really interesting difference to like find Lawrence, the guy you're gonna marry, and versus Andrew. We'll get we'll get into it later, we'll but we'll but that's really the dynamic we're talking about here. Speaking of dynamics, we it came up in relatable content, but the four core women at the heart of the show have a very specific dynamic. They each bring different perspectives on life, but specifically very different perspectives on love and relationships. We're talking Tiff, Kelly, Molly, and Issa. So of these four very different women, who do you feel like 
you gravitate towards in terms of understanding and relating to their point of view on love and relationships. Adrian, do you want to start us off as the wise as the wise married one? <laughs> yes, um, I'm going to be really basic and align with my married queen, Tiffany. I think mm-hmm. that I am a Tiffany with a Kelly rising. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly it's like with everything going on. And if I watch Tiffany in scenes and her going out with all of her friends, I feel like Tiffany a lot of the time in my current stage in life. But when I was dating, I was a lot like Kelly, where I wasn't really committed to anything. I was just having a good time. You couldn't put a pin in me, but that didn't bother me at all, which I feel like is very Kelly. And so it's just like, depending on what age I was, I was both of those women and I relate to them most. What do you think? Okay. I mean, this could be a whole, like a whole hour long conversation. What do you think changed? Because Tiffany is so like, stand by your man. And mm-hmm. so what do you think changed? Was it just the right person came into your life or was it an age and maturity thing? Um, it was the right person coming in my life and having experience with men who were not the right person and knowing that they weren't the right person, being comfortable with that, saying like, we can have a good time, but I don't really care about you like that. And so mm-hmm. when the right one came along, it was so obvious and Victoria watched it all happen. But I mean, it moved quick. It was like a year and a half and I was locked down. So I think it was just age and the right person and some life experiences that allowed to realize they're the right person. As Adrian's mm-hmm. younger sister, I'm very curious to hear about her premarital Kelly phase. Yeah. That sounds interesting. <laughs> Oh, that is interesting stuff. We'll need to dig into (laughs) LHR. Victoria, how about you? I am probably half and half. No, 75% Molly, 25% Kelly. Just because I definitely am type. I'm that type of person who gets mistaken for being too intense, which I guess I am. But it's just, I, I feel like if you know what you want, why would I not do what I want? Obviously not at the expense of, you know, someone else's heartache or pain or whatever or inconvenience, but why would I, why would anyone hold back for like, for what she knows? She knows what she wants kind of. So like, go for it. And then everyone else can be quiet. And the Kelly is that I, I feel like I'm I'm not outrageous, but I could be like the, the fun relief sometimes. I don't have like a wild, wild phase, but you're absolutely, (laughs) well, okay. I'll do 30% Kelly then 70% Molly. That's mine. Yeah. You got a family member checking you to add on to 5%. I can't lie today. (laughs) I buy that. That's a nice, that's a nice combo. And Vika, how about you? I want to be a Kelly really badly, but I'm not at all. (laughs) I just think the Kelly is so confident and free Mm -hmm. and like, you know, she really knows who she is in a way that feels like super genuine and like easy to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'd say I'm a Molly with some Issa, uh, like self discovery thrown in. I'm definitely somebody who's like super committed to my work. And I always have these kind of like weird standards that aren't really standards. I think they're like an excuse for me not wanting to be vulnerable. And then I love self-help and self-growth and I'm always trying to work on myself. And I feel like Issa throughout the seasons, especially this last season, does a really good job of like glowing up a bit and yeah. and like taking some responsibility. And like I've had a similar experience. Yeah. I Again, I feel like we all, I want more Kelly in me. In some ways, I feel like I'm going through a bit of a Kelly. F- I mean, it's hard to go through a true Kelly phase in quarantine. But yeah. I feel like right now I have like... That Kelly vibe of being truly obsessed with myself. That's what you should (laughs) be. 
I mean, I truly do have a podcast. And then also I just like walking past men on the street right now. I think because we're in quarantine, I'm just like constantly objectifying people. So in some <laughs> ways I feel like I'm I'm in a mini a mini a Kelly Moon. But I think a lot of the times I am Issa because I tend to stick with one person a little bit longer than I should, even if it's not in a true relationship, mm. just in like a crush or them taking up too much mental space. And I talk to literally everybody about it. <laughs> you need every perspective on every interaction with a guy ever. You always need many, many opinions. Exactly, which is why I'm glad we're all kind of, it seems like all together we do sort of represent these four women plus, you know, our own beautiful, wonderful points of view. I love okay. that. Call that crowdsourcing my problems or my story. <laughs> Amazing. Everyone's got a crowdsource. That's why, you know, uh, Vic and I talked on the one of the episodes of like, you need women in your life. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Freaking Aparna. Yeah. We hate her. Okay. Speaking of women and their relationships, let's get into it. The fourth season of this. So the whole show is really kind of a Molly, Molly Issa exploration of their friendships and adult female friendships. But the fourth season is really, truly this Molly Issa showdown. There's obviously the big fight at the block party. So who do you side with? Adrian? since you're a guest here, I'm going to give you the opening argument. <laughs> I am unequivocally team Issa. I have watched this show twice and it was interesting because I was cool with Molly at first, you know, then we get to last season and I wanted to light something on fire because she made me so upset. And then in watching it again and watching the downfall of it all with more context of what eventually happens, I was more upset with Molly. So hundred percent team Issa over here <laughs> well just looking at Vic's face um Vic would well, you want a counter argument and then we'll get we'll get everyone's opening uh opening statement <laughs> we'll yes. get into it <laughs> here is my opening statement's thoughts so my opening statement yes Adrian I hear you loud and clear my perspective is that we have watched season one through four season one through three one through two and a half actually no season one through three and a half Issa was such a hot mess putting her problems on everybody else she wouldn't call herself out. She wouldn't take responsibility for anything. She wouldn't take accountability. And Molly has consistently been there just following her around with the Swiffer jet, just cleaning up all of Issa's bullshit. So then when we get to season four, of course Molly's tired of it. So that's why she's just kind of like, you know what? Fuck this. I can't sit here and, you know, be your life maid anymore. Like, what do you want her to continue to, you know, baby Issa? That's ridiculous. You got to take care of number one first. Okay. Vika, let's go to your uh, your overall overall opinion. I'm Team Issa as well. Uh, you, you have two guests with the same. We're on the same team here today. Um, I know we yeah, picked I the think... wrong guests. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you that Molly has cleaned up after Issa for most of the seasons. But I think because of that, when Issa starts to grow, she doesn't let her. She doesn't acknowledge it as a good thing. I think she's sort of. Uh, put Issa in this position where she's like, you're a hot mess. You're always going to be a hot mess. You're never going to make the right decision. And I think Issa's made a good change in this, uh, especially this fourth season where she's going for the things she's always said she's going to do or wants to do and has like much more of a backbone. And I think it's hard for Molly, who's always been the stronger one, always been more clear about what she wants to be like, okay, what's our new relationship here? And Issa's not running to her with everything anymore. Mm -hmm. She has another friend. I actually love the Condola Issa friendship. Um, yeah, yeah, and too. I think that Molly has a really hard time. I think Molly's trying. She's going to therapy finally. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I think it's really, really hard for her. 
And I also think Issa's fed up with like kind of being canceled for who she used to be. So I'm with that. Wow. That's true. She doesn't get a lot of wiggle room. It's kind of like, this is the old narrative about you. You're never going to change when she really is. I see that. I think the thing is they're both overreactors. And so in some ways, I feel like it was just a matter of timing of them overreacting at the same time about each other. That was always going to be catastrophic. And I do, I mean, I have at different times like teetered on both of them. I think the thing with specifically the season four drama with the block party, I do understand Issa's point about Molly picking kind of an arbitrary rule to, you know, her freaking out about Issa going to Andrew through Nathan, I think is a ridiculous reason to like blow the friendship up in Issa's face. And I think the thing with Molly is that when she, they're both overreactors, but Molly tends to take the point of view of like, I'm correct and I can't see anybody else's point of view. And I have friends like that. I overreact too. But I think when you overreact and you don't make room for anyone else to be right, then it can be really, really dangerous. And I think we see that with Molly. And some of the times she is right. It's just the way she handles it. She's very unwieldy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see that. I think that hurts her with Issa. And I think it hurts her with Andrew. I don't know. What do you guys think? I agree. I think that she thinks that she's always correct. It was, I agree also, it was very arbitrary, a reason to not connect Issa with Andrew. Mm -hmm. But also on the other side of things, Sometimes you have stupid boundaries that don't mean anything. You're like, this is my boundary. I can't explain it. It's my boundary. Mm -hmm. So I think for Issa to know this and still cross it, that was kind of messed up too. So it's not all on Molly to come up with this dumb because it it was dumb. It was like, who cares? But sometimes your friends just have that. So just respect it. But that was my, that was actually my issue. So if you had set a boundary and it was just like, hey, I need this, that's fine. But I felt that the boundary Molly made by saying you can't talk to Andrew was one that she made out of spite, not because she actually needed it. I don't think it was spite. I re- I don't think it was. She was in a weird spot with Andrew. She, I mean, she was in a weird spot with Andrew, but clearly it wouldn't have been a problem for Andrew to help Issa because that's not the but, point. No, that's not relevant. I mean, it's not, it's not the point of the boundary, but for her, she was just like, I don't feel she was doing that to protect her relationship. I think she was doing that saying, this is how I'm going to stick it to you. I think it was to protect herself. It might have been to protect herself, but at the end of the day, it was like she was only doing it because she just didn't want to be there for Issa. And I think that's not what a true friend would do. And I just had a really big problem with that because I'm just like, you should be able to put that aside because you know that your best friend has been working her ass off to make something happen. And this is the last thing that she needs to be successful. And so for you to say, well, I'm going to prove this point right now and let her fail. That just really makes me think Molly is a terrible person. Would agree. And then I will quickly move off of this so it's not just the me and Adrian argue show. Would absolutely agree. But there also is so much history too. Because you can take this one isolated incident and it's like, okay, Molly, that was kind of fucked up. But also there was so much history before that where they're just kind of butting head over sometimes stupid things, sometimes serious things. Sometimes Issa has really fucked up. Sometimes Molly really has. So this isn't just about the one issue. I think it's about everything that's happened from season one through four and a half. I mean, I agree that it was about way more than one issue. But then if you look back, another thing that really bothers me about how Molly operates is she always expects the apology. She is never mm. going to reach out first. She always expects everyone in it. Like 
not even only Issa, but everybody, if something goes wrong, Molly will just sit on her hill and say, when are you going to kiss my ass? And once you do, then we're okay. There have been so many fights that we have watched Molly get into, and that's how it always ends. It's always someone apologizing to her. She is never addressing what she did in the situation, but then she's like, okay, well, I'll stop being a dick to you now. And that really bothers me. Partially agree, Bavika, Megan, do you want to hop in? I think I agree with you. I, th- I think looking at it from Molly's perspective or like relating to Molly, she's right a lot of the time. And I think it's really hard for her to be wrong. When I'm wrong, it takes me a very long time to be like, oh, I actually screwed up there. I don't think that what I did was the right thing, but I'm so in my anger or justification or I'm feeling very stubborn that I'm like, I, I know I- I'm probably still right because I have this strong feeling. <laughs> um, and I think with the, the the boundary that you guys were disagreeing about or what, what the real meaning is, I'm not sure if Molly knows why, why she said that, but there's something about this whole new thing in Issa's life and then how she keeps being like her problems keep being pushed to the side because Issa's got bigger fish to fry right now where she's like, okay, well, you don't have time for me, so I'm not going to help you with this. Or that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, I mean, I do. There's this moment where they're standing on, um, they're doing the Runyon Canyon hike, uh, classic, and they were talking about their problems. And Issa says something to Molly in terms of like giving her advice and something to do with Andrew. And then Andrew calls Molly and apologizes. She hangs up the phone and Issa goes, who is that? And Molly lies and says it wasn't about Andrew. And I think in that moment, she made this judgment call of like realizing that Issa's advice and Issa's involvement in her relationship doesn't always help her because in that instance, her gut was actually right. And Andrew came around in the way that Molly hoped he would. That making that decision to like, I'm, you know, in my 30s now, I don't always need to involve my best friend in my relationships. It doesn't always serve me. I think that's a super healthy boundary to set. And then what came of it was the block party thing. And I think she just lost. I think sometimes Molly, because she when she chooses something, she's, you know, she's full force. She just lost perspective of like she was trying to keep clear with what would have been a really healthy boundary and just lost the perspective of how that affects other people. Just a quick thing I want to point out, something that Adrian and I have also mentioned off the podcast, is that I totally agree with the points that have been made about how like Molly's flaws. However, I what I think is unfair is that Issa's flaws we consider as growing pains and Mm. like, Oh, she's trying, she's doing her best. She's going through a lot, but she learned, she made it, she made a right turn. So now the roles have reversed kind of, and you know, Molly's kind of going through it. She's trying to find herself, but she's doing the work. She's in therapy, but we're, we're less accepting of Molly's flaws. I just think that's something to point out. Yes. Adrian. Can I, this is why I am less sympathetic towards Molly. When Issa makes a mistake and Lord knows she makes countless mistakes she is so open to learning from them. She's apologizing for them. She's changing her actions after it's happened. With Molly, I am not on her side only because she's so stubborn. As soon as someone tells Molly about herself, whether it be Andrew or her therapist, Molly walks away instead of addressing what has been brought to the table. Molly quit therapy multiple times and stopped going. When Andrew says something, it's always this really tense moment where it's just like, she's just never ready to grow. And I just feel like Issa's better about that, which is why I'm more forgiving when it comes to Issa and her growing pains versus Molly just 
being okay with being exactly how she is when it comes to that. She's not okay with it. Why is she going back to therapy? Because she's not okay with because it. Because people she's working mad at her. It. That's why she goes back. And she's like, no, 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 she's no, you can tell in her therapy sessions, she is having actual come to Jesus moment. She's not doing it for other people. I mean, a little bit, but she's doing it for herself. I mean, yeah, and Issa doesn't, Issa makes the same mistakes too. And not only that, but she puts it on other people to clean up. And that's all I'll say. Vika, Megan. <laughs> Go Vika. Uh, okay. So I, I agree with both of you. I, I do find it harder to watch Molly uh, flounder. I think it's because she's been such a rock for like the first couple seasons where I was so like, yeah, Molly knows what she's doing and she might make mistakes, but nothing compared to Issa. And now to see her be just struggling more to change, it's harder. You, you just want to be like, you, I want to be like, you're a boss. You got this. Just like you need to commit to it. Like you do to everything else. And I find it harder to like watch her not succeed all the time. But I do think she's really trying. I think the fact that she goes back to therapy is huge. And the fact that she has some deeper conversations with Andrew is a big change for her. She, Mm -hmm. But I feel like that the uh, way that person at their resort was racist to her and they didn't really have a great conversation about it afterwards. I, I feel like she's still not willing to be completely vulnerable, even though she really doesn't want to lose Andrew. And he tries, but I don't know if he's enough, trying enough for what she needs. Yeah, that's actually, this goes into why my Andrew beef is why I don't like them together. It's partially that of them. I feel like they keep it very surface level. Mm-hmm. Overall, I agree. I think we're, I think we generally are harder on Molly. And I think in general, we see this in TV shows a lot where it's like when the kind of like adorkable character is floundering, we're like, oh, she's trying, she's a mess, blah, blah, blah. But when it's the like ambitious, badass, has her shit together person is floundering, we're a little harder on them. And I think we see that in our non-fictional lives too, where like, there are certain friends, and I think I, I know, even though some of us are siding with Isa and Adrian, obviously we just met, but I know that this is a pretty like ambitious, forward-thinking group of women. Yeah. And but I think sometimes when it's the friend that like is kind of always the hot mess, people forgive them. But when it's one that has their shit together messes up, people are way harder on them. So I think that's why generally, like culturally, the cultural zeitgeist is really hard on Molly. I think that it can be unfair. I will say my last my last point, I promise, is I agree with everything you just said about there, um, right there and saying, you know, recognizing why we're hard on her. But I also think a key difference is Molly can be very cruel. Yeah. Where she will lash out and she'll say very hurtful things. We've seen it multiple times in different situations. And I also have an issue with that. Grow all you need to, but you don't need to hurt people in the process. And there were so many times where Molly would say something. My favorite example being when she sent the text message on accident to Issa saying, see, I'm trying with her. Yeah. And the conversation they had afterwards where Molly said something like, well, maybe we're just not like the who we are today wouldn't be friends. And Issa didn't have a response to that. She was very hurt and just walked away. And then Molly looked hurt as a result, like, oh, you're just going to walk away. And I really sat there like, well, Molly, what did you expect to get out of that? It's, she, it's like she wanted Issa to come crawling back, but hurt her in the process. And I just, I couldn't, that really bothered me. So Molly's mean. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. I love that the show has that quality. Like, I love that she's mean. I mean, I think it's so hard to watch, but it's so truthful. Like, when we're going through shit, we're cruel. We're cruel to the people who are closest mm-hmm. to us. And I think she is the cruelest to Issa. 
And she gets there with Andrew. And I think it's because she feels close with him, uh, Mm -hmm. closer than she has with other people. And I think that's one of the hardest things to sort of unlearn in your behavior. And I hope that's what we see her kind of get better at in season five. But I love that they do it because it's very unlikable quality. But I relate. I think for a lot of people, that relationship is super relatable of having that person that calls you out and sometimes takes a little bit too far. For everyone listening, I'm only really like that with my sister and her with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, as we can see today, that's real. Okay, Vic, I'm going to give you closing thoughts on Molly and Issa, and then we're going to go into Molly's men, which also filled with opinions. I remain with the same opinion, but I completely understand that Everyone here who has said something about Molly being unwavering and she's very harsh and very sharp. That's very, that's, that's all very true about her, but I just wish that we would give her the same leeway that we do give to Issa. So a lot of Molly's, Molly's qualities, both her ambition, her boundaries, her standards, and even sometimes her cruelty do take up space in her relationship with men as well as her relationship with Issa. So let's talk about some of Molly's men. Who did you like her best with? And kind of what happens to mess the situation up, be it uh, Molly's fault, the guy's fault. What do we what do we think? Real fast, I love the term Molities. I think we've got some Molities happening here. Does anyone remember the name? It's escaping me right now, of the guy she used to work with who totally had a crush on her, who's so sweet. Quentin. Oh, Quentin. Yeah. I loved him. Yes, I wanted I loved Quentin. Love Quentin. He would have been so good for her. Yes. Yeah, because my thing, okay, this is why I don't like Molly and Andrew, is I think Molly, even though Molly and Andrew have some of the best sex on the show, but I think they're too, there's something about them that's like too sleek and sexy together. And they're they're both ambitious, they're both cool, but for some reason it, it like it bugs me that they're both so ambitious and sleek. It because I think Molly secretly needs somebody a little bit goofier and somebody to kind of balance her a little bit more. And her and Andrew it stays so surface level and we do eventually see her disappointment in the fact that it's staying surface level. And I do think that's on him for not addressing, you know, the, uh, the conversation about race that happens on their vacation for not talking about his family and his sister and all these things that happen. But I think Quentin was like ready, was, you know, ready to talk about her goals and her career like so early. And I think Molly does need someone a little goofier, a little softer to just kind of balance her. So I, I liked Jared for the same reason. I think Love he like him. made it a little goofy for her. Um, I actually agree with you on Quentin. When I was thinking about it, he was one of the first people that came to, you know, top of the list. It was like Molly could let her guard down with him in a way that I thought was really wonderful. And so I enjoyed the two of them together, even though I knew, I know that Molly would never let herself date him. I loved the idea of the two of them together. And I know this is a controversial, but um, I also liked her withdrawal. And okay, I don't disagree. So tell me, tell me why. Open relationship aside, I felt that Molly was the most herself. I thought that Molly was the most likable I have ever seen her when she was with this guy that she grew up with, where you could just really mm-hmm. see who actually was as a person. And I was like, that was the first time I could say I'd be friends with her. Because yeah. I, I just realized all the ways that she's really cool. And I saw it because she was just this natural and happy person with Dro. And so outside of their relationship being doomed from, you know, before it began, I just like their dynamic a lot. I totally yeah. agree with you. I I like Dro. I also love that actor. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. awesome and has such a warmth. And the two of them together have like a very different chemistry than with other people on the show. And that's, I think, what made it so hard to 
to like you want to root for her but you're also like this is so doomed and not because you know i'm like oh open relationships are bad but because molly i don't think she can do that even though if she wants to i was just going to add that i agree with you about them both being sleek her and andrew and i think that is part of the problem i just really like andrew i like how calm he is as a kind of balance to Molly's intensity. And I think that they have a big communication problem because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to me like Andrew's had a lot of serious relationships. And I think a lot of it's new for him. But every time they have a good conversation, he tries, he changes. Mm-hmm. And he, and I don't think Molly does that for him. He is trying. Yes. Adrian, any other thoughts on Andrew? I think that Andrew challenges Molly in a way that really allows her to grow within the relationship that we haven't seen before. And so for that reason, I like their dynamic, but I can also recognize that they're just very edgy with each other. It's always defensive in a way that I'm just like, this is not going to be a long-term thing, but I like that she's growing within it right now. Yeah. And that could be the, you know, the beauty and the romantic thing about it is that ends up being a growing relationship for both of them. Mm -hmm. I just feel like the visual I'm having is like, okay, stay with me like a bowling alley lane but it's really narrow so you have to hit it straight through the center because i think it's if they go off a little bit then it's like bouncing bounce 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 and they're just mm. gonna hit the edges yes. um i think it's really hard for them to get it right and then i think and i think sometimes that's when you have to let a relationship go if it's that hard to get it right even if there's a bunch of good things happening mm-hmm. i think sometimes even if they're a great person and you have come so far i kind of do get why they break up at the end of season four yes yeah Let's talk about uh, Dro and Molly, because I agree. I wanted them to make it work for longer than I maybe objectively should have. Mm. Adrian, you said you really like them together. What did you think of like the open relationship situation? Why did it work? Why did it fall apart? So open relationships are not for me. But if two people enter it saying this is what it's going to be, have at it, that's fine. So from Molly's, from Molly's point of view, she did not have a choice in the fact that it wasn't an open relationship. And that was made even more complicated because she had this whole life with Drew beforehand, you know, by growing up together. And so had Molly been the one that Drew married, I think that she would have been as happy as Tiffany and Derek. Um, Mm -hmm. They had all of that wonderful history together. But the fact that it was Drew saying, this is what it is. Are you cool with it? And then Molly tried it out. And there was just too much history for her to not get attached to him after taking the relationship to another level. And so that's why it was doomed before it even started as much as I love them together. Yeah. I personally think Molly's true love is Joe. I think they're a perfect couple. I think they're a perfect couple. However, open relationships, I think they do work when done correctly, but she caught feelings and you're not allowed to catch feelings if it's an open relationship. But in another lifetime, if it was just the two of them together, perfect couple in my book. I love it. hundred percent. Yeah. Vika? I... Okay, this is my problem with Insecure. Everyone is so beautiful. And so I have a very hard time being like, you're flawed because I'm just like, you're so attractive. Right. Um, (laughs) We talk about this constantly. I'm like, wait, I shouldn't be a fan of this, but you're so hot. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said, Adrian. And I think that 
what's interesting to me, and I probably should have rewatched this section, but I feel like the his wife was not as cool with all of their open relationship stuff as he was. And I think that that's super key in an open relationship is both people have to be a part of it. There's obviously a lot of different ways that an open relationship can look, but I have a friend who has experience with that. And the other partner has always been very a part of it and like cool with it. And Mm -hmm. I think for it to work, you need that. I couldn't read his wife's thoughts on it but also i think if you're going to do an open relationship don't go for a friend of both of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's messy that is molly did get with isa about being messy that was the messiest move of them all <laughs> that is the messiest but like but i at the same time i like i saw how we all just talked about how great they are together i see how she got there i was like i probably would have fallen prey to this too especially because here's my thing in the beginning and and again open relationships i think you'd be a really specific person to be okay with an open relationship and i think sometimes we can convince ourselves that we're okay with an open relationship when we're really not and i think that's the journey of molly through this but at the beginning he's really convincing and actually i know we have a hard time reading candace Joe's wife during when we see her but he does say at one point it was Candace's idea and so if I was told that I would be like cool it was the woman's idea blah 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 I'm on board where Dro loses me because at the beginning he lays it out very clearly and he is super communicative about it and okay with it and does kind of go to Candace every time she needs something the wife is number one which is hard for Molly, but I think the way to do an open relationship where he loses me is when Molly puts boundaries in place Mm -hmm. where she's like, okay, so if we're going to do this, I can't have you calling. I can't have you checking up on me. We can't have this friendship, which sucks because obviously they've been friends for a long time. But I think uh, that him not being able to respect her boundaries is why he's at the bottom of the vulture list of men. Cause, and I think that's a toxic trait with so many men who present like they're doing the right thing, but really the situation ended up being exactly what he wanted because he wanted the emotional support from both parties. And I think he is actually not okay with an open marriage because that rule is in place of like, you can't really have the feelings for the separate person. So Mm. yeah. So I, as much as I want her to find someone like Dro. I want to talk to more people in open relationships because I feel like as you're talking about this, I'm like, there are so many nuances. And I guess it's obviously different to be in an open relationship than like a thruple or something like that. But I don't know how we're human beings. Like, how do you not catch feelings if you're... I agree. And I also think that Molly was in the right place to be the other party in an open relationship. But because of all the history, she couldn't do it. If it was any other person that she met or ran into at that day party and they said, I'm in an open relationship, I think Molly would have thrived. But for sure, it didn't happen with Dro. My point was that it kind of felt like Dro was in an open relationship and then Molly was not. Or it, or it felt like Candace was the third wheel. It, sound, it sounds like Dro was more into Molly than he was into Candace, but he was committed to Candace because that's his wife. But he and Molly had a real connection together. I thought he was going to break up with Candace to be with Molly at one point. Yeah, I thought that might happen too. It had that kind of vibe, but he, I liked Dro. I'm honestly not opposed to an open relationship. It doesn't sound terrible. (laughs) I don't don't know. But I think for Molly, I'd be curious if she had tried to make that work, what it would have looked like. In theory, I think it sounds good. But why would you go to someone who's a friend? That's such a terrible choice. Yeah. 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 So 
Molly set some boundaries into place with Dro, and we've talked, we've brought it up briefly. She has a lot of boundaries, some that are super reasonable, some that maybe aren't. So are there any of her standards for relationships that you do agree with and stand by or any that you find ridiculous? I can't think of particular ones, but I don't appreciate how anti-bisexual she was toward is it Jared? Is that who it was? Jared, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Who cares if he's bisexual? And also he wasn't, but she really made that a huge, even if it was an issue with her, fine, but she made it a really big deal. Like yeah. it was like a hard, hard, hard outspoken no. And I don't think it needed to be. Do you think that if she met him now, like having more growth and, and kind of more open-mindedness, she would still do that? I feel like Molly had backwards growth i can't think of the word for it regression i think she regressed i think she was okay in the beginning and then she's going through a weird like mental state right now i think that's one of her firm it's one of like what you guys are saying she's closed-minded on things and she's very uh, like she won't move on things i think that's one of her immovable objects is what she thinks a guy should be and i think in her mind it's like a manly guy and that's not a bisexual man Mm-hmm. yeah even mm-hmm. i mean even in the thing where she was like the sterling k brown character oh. um who take who's also just again another kind of perfect man on this show i just don't think they had chemistry but she so he comes in and he's kind of the opposite of jared and he has a really fancy job and he is ready for commitment and you know he's sweet so he's not i mean masculinity is you know a spectrum of and has so many definitions but in a lot of ways, he does fit the bill for her, but he's still not enough. And then Dro, who has the chemistry, takes precedent over him. So the job thing of needing someone to have a good job, that's one when she finds out that Jared didn't go to college either. That's one that for me, I think I, as like a privileged person growing up in like an academic hometown, all my parents have master's degrees. I think that's something that I am learning to let go of. I would have a moment with that if someone didn't go to college. And I think my friends would have the same kind of reactions that hers did of like, oh, interesting. In the past, I would have had that hard and fast rule that I would want someone to have a college education. But Jared is plenty thoughtful and understanding without those things. So that's one that taught me a little bit of a lesson. Yeah, I love that. I feel like for me, I know that we already talked about Dro, but I really respected Molly being self-aware in that moment where she said from the jump, I can't catch feelings. You can't be doing all of those different things. And then as soon as Dro crossed the line, she cut him. And I really respected her for that because she knew that she couldn't handle it. That was a moment where I'm just like, yes, Molly, you're you're the queen. <laughs> Get it. I like that Molly has this sort of, I deserve this attitude like she's worked her ass off for everything she has in her life and that applies to relationships as well she's definitely like I'm not gonna settle I'm not gonna just date someone to date someone I think she's really looking for something I don't know that she knows what that is Mm -hmm. but I think she holds herself to a high standard and she holds the person she's in a relationship with and her friendships too I think she's like you're a part of my life and therefore you require attention and dedication. And I expect the same in return. And I think sometimes she goes pretty far with that where it can hurt a relationship. But in theory, I think it's a really good thing. I agree. I think sometimes I, you know, I, 
I'm not a casual dater and I think it's because I have some pretty high expectations and standards. I think where Molly self-sabotages is when she uses her standards and um, boundaries as weapons, essentially, whether it's that's out of defense for herself or in, you know, trying to find a problem and everything. And so that's that's what's yeah. hard for me to watch is being like, no, you you have so many great points. I think we should all have standards for who we want to be in relationships with. She just sometimes takes it a little bit too far. Yeah. yeah, it's that thing on paper versus what it feels like in reality. Right. And she wants it to look good on paper. I feel like it's like an outfit that she wears. You know, she always looks amazing. And I think she wants a relationship to always look amazing and feel amazing. And it doesn't always. It's just not how it is. Right? Yeah, I do have a few female friends in my life where I just want to shake them because they have that, you know, I'm going to hold the people in my life to this high standard, especially when it comes to their relationships with men or whoever they may be dating. But they can, that can sometimes turn into dooming a relationship before it even has a chance to begin. Like if you're judging someone on this tiny little thing, you could, you could be missing out on what it might turn into where you just need to give it a chance. But by drawing that hard line so quick, I just feel like it's, it leads you to losing out on opportunities. And that's the hard part to watch both as like, as a friend watching my friends do it, and then Molly doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So there's this vulture list that ranks all of the men in Insecure, which is just a brilliant read on so many ways um thug yoda being at the top but for you guys who would be your top three men on insecure oh i will say my top guys are amal Derek, mm-hmm. and andrew in that order i love i love all three of them i know i love I amal know. amal is just like he brings me so much joy in every scene that he's in especially when he gets after it with kelly it just so it makes me giddy i am laughing so hard and but he's just real about everything too. He's not ever lying. It comes out absolutely hilarious. But I just think he's a gem, and I have friends like that too, and I love them the most. So Amal's my number one, and I also really like Derek because Derek's just a real one. He's going to be the one that's going to be there for you, and even in hard times, he's going to tell you the truth, but be gentle about it. Where I just I really appreciate Derek, even though we don't get to see a lot of him. I actually wish I saw more of Derek. So. There's that one. And then Andrew, I know we talked about all of his flaws, but first of all, I love looking at him. Second of all, I just like how he helps Molly grow in a really positive way. And so I just, I want him to stay so that she can continue to grow. And then maybe I will like her more. (laughs) I love Lawrence. I mean, I know I killed him, but um, (laughs) I I really love him. I love his um, journey. And I think that they do a really interesting job of exploring his struggles and he's like a very ambitious person, but in such a different way than the other uh, two main, like than Molly and Issa. I love every scene he's in. So I'm going to go with Lawrence and I love Andrew. And I, I know we, we all have a different opinion on the Molly Andrew relationship, but I really want them. If they could work on their communication, they could be really good for each other. They could really help each other grow and maybe have the deepest relationship that we've seen Molly have. Like, Mm. I think that'd be really, really cool. And I, in this last season, um, the security guard, huge fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was like, love you and everything that you're doing. This is so fun. Um, hilarious. And just like a good time. (laughs) I love that. That missionary really hits as he says. (laughs) 
he's so honest and so like no bullshit yeah yeah it's refreshing i think that's exactly what she needed at that time my top three guys from the vulture list there's a lot of guys who i wasn't even thinking of lawrence of course right one just because this entire time lawrence can do no wrong in my book he's an amazing man he's had his struggles the way that we are so soft on isa multiply that by a million that's how i am for lawrence he can do no wrong number two throw Mm. The guy, but the thing is with this list, I'm separating the guys from the relationships that we've seen them in. You have, right, they, right. They weren't always in the best. I mean, in terms of plot, of course, they're not going to be in the best places. So I'm separating them from their stories. Number one, Lawrence. Number two, Dro. Number three might be Daniel. And I know I said before I'm scared of him because he's so intense, but he means well and he's very passionate. Yeah, he's very lovely. He's a passionate guy. Yeah, mine are Lionel, the Sterling K. Brown character, oh. because comes in books a brunch a nice fancy brunch he like has a great job he's clear about what he wants and that's all i want from men right now he was kind of a perfect guy yeah um and then my next second is quentin the guy uh from molly's office yeah. because again you know wanted her to have an ambitious job was super sweet with mm-hmm. her was funny they could banter which i love and then my third is is derek because again i think he just he puts tiff first and i think <laughs> I think I'm learning. I think I need to find a balance of someone who can match me on an equal level, but still like just slightly put me in front of them. And that's what I appreciate about Derek. Derek is kind of an unspoken hero throughout all of this. He's really different. Do you all have any predictions about what you want to see and or the direction you think the show is going? Vika, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, I think that Nathan and... um, Lisa will have a at least a couple episodes where they're trying to be together. Mm-hmm. I feel like the look on Issa's face when she found out about the baby was sort of like a callback to when she imagined her life with um, Lawrence and them having a kid and being married and everything. And seeing him have a child with someone else, I think is just going to be really, really hard for her. I hope that they end up together. I don't know that they will, but that would be what I'd like to see. Although I love Nathan, I just don't know that we know enough about what their relationship would look like to see if that would be successful. Mm -hmm. And I I think just because the show, like you said, has been Molly and Issa through and through that it'll, that they'll become friends again. Yeah. I think we get a little bit of hope in the last episode of like a nice mirror to the pilot of them getting back at that uh, restaurant. Okay. Interesting. I also think she's going to throw a Nathan phase in the last season. Yeah. And I'm curious because I think each season her mirror talking has kind of been a different thing, like what it will be in this season. Yes. It's actually kind of really faded. I noticed in season four, she barely, and a lot of the, I don't know if this ever came up, when we were talking Vic, but like the moments where she flash it, like she imagines what she would say to somebody mm-hmm. that goes away. And I think she's become this like more fully formed version of herself because even there's a point where she's like talking on a phone to a vendor and she's like, I literally will kill you or something like that. <laughs> and there's no like flash. That's just legitimately what she says. So I think that's a good storytelling. And like, she's really come into her power in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'd say yeah. this side of the mirror, like the Issa in real life is become, has become stronger than the mirror Issa. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, and Adrian, how about you predictions for season five? So I feel like season four was really a showcase of how Issa has been able to take the mistakes she made in the first three seasons and turn them around into something positive and start to react better. So to your point of her really growing, I've seen that a lot. And so I'm excited to see in the next season how she applies that to this new situation with Lawrence. 
um, because she's been accused of being messy and all those different things. And so now I, I can't wait to see if it's really going to happen. Like, is she not going to be messy or is she going to just say, I'm going to tackle this and it's okay because I want to do it. I'm just excited to see her be confident in her choices and not run back to people who will judge her for it because she's just doing it because it makes her happy and that's all that matters. And so my prediction is, is that she's going to try to make this relationship with Lawrence work while also recognizing that she can't handle a relationship with Condola. So Mm. I think that Issa has learned enough lessons to realize that a relationship with Condola does not serve her. And so interesting. Yeah. yeah, I see how she makes it work with Lawrence while also figuring out how to navigate this world of Condola being his baby mama. Right. I think that we're going to see her really bloom into this really mature person as she handles such a difficult situation. Did we address what you guys think was going to happen with Condola's baby? Because Megan and I spent some time on that as well. Yeah, Vic doesn't think there's going to be a baby. (laughs) Season five and season five, there's no baby. No, there was never a child. No, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe they'll deal with abortion, maybe a miscarriage, but it doesn't seem like there would be. It doesn't go along with the narrative that I don't even have formed. I just don't see a baby in here. I think something's going to happen. I don't know what direction or what will happen to who. I don't see a baby in season five. You know, what could be interesting is if Condola meets somebody else. Mm. Like, Good point. And then they have to deal with that. Yeah. Nice outer layer. Yeah. 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 Cause that's my thing is I think I do want them to end up. I think I do want Issa and Lawrence to end up together because I think at the end of the day, I think I'm a hopeless romantic. And I think if I didn't believe that two people can find their way back to each other and fall in love again mm-hmm. in this grown up version of themselves, it'd be a little too pessimistic for my uh, brand. I have chills now. <laughs> I'm like, find their way back. <laughs> um, but I think she needs to really show all of the growth we've started to see and so I think she really needs to earn the relationship in the last season Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm hoping for is some kind of big like committing herself to Lawrence whether it's through the baby Mm -hmm. being there for the baby and understanding a relationship or not but that's what I'm hoping yeah I think it's gonna undoubtedly be super hard for her but it's like yeah work three seasons for this like you can do it Issa (laughs) you've got this (laughs) Um, okay, Vika and Adrian. We'll start with Adrian. At the end of the day, after all of this, do you want Issa and Lawrence together? I would love nothing more than for Issa and Lawrence to get together. I am rooting for them. I have never considered myself to be a hopeless romantic, but I am putty when it comes to the two of them. I think, I think that they I think that they can do it. I think that Insecure has shown us that they have the tools to do it despite what's out there. And I would love if they could do it despite everything saying that they can't because the two of them are just so wonderful together when they're communicating. And we see it when we, they have those little moments, even after they've broken up, where you're just like, oh, I need it. There's something there. <laughs> There's something there. Yeah, I'd love to see them together too. I-, I want it to happen in a way where we feel good about both of them. And like now if the child could, is part of the next season and it's not like, oh, there's no kid or whatever, then I want it to be in a way where you're like, yeah, this kid's going to have a good life because that adds just this like really complicated layer. But I love them together and I want them to have a couch together. Yes. <laughs> so like, I just think it's a really sweet relationship and it would be cool to see them grow back together. 
All right. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me and Vic. This was wonderful. I loved having so many perspectives and doing a roundtable and you all brought so many like thoughtful, hilarious, varied opinions. So this was perfect. Thank you so much for popping on. <laughs> Thanks. This is my first podcast. Yeah. You Same. Super fun. You, yeah, you guys should have a sister podcast. I would listen. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh hell yeah. 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 And Vika, you'll be back for um whatever TV show we end up doing. So I'm excited. Yay. All um, right. Can I add one thing that you don't have to put into the podcast? But yeah. I just don't know if you guys have talked about this. And I think what's you know, when you ask that first question in your email about like how we relate to the show, I love Los Angeles. And I think mm. that this show it does such a good job of doing you know like what Woody Allen did for New York like right. it's a love letter to LA it shows all these neighborhoods that are never featured in movies or TV shows it's like Palm Springs and the Hollywood sign and I think that it just gives the city much more of a rich history and like a place where people live and thrive and I think it's unique um which I love and yeah. the mental health stuff they don't like it's all part of it it's not like we're talking about depression but right. it's like these are people and these are their problems yeah absolutely especially with the tiff thing because that's you know they don't even say it explicitly that it's postpartum but yeah mm-hmm. okay beautiful i will put that yeah. in it's the only show that makes me consider moving back to la so we'll give it that <laughs> <laughs> yes do it <laughs> all right well, thank you all so much. I'll let you go back to work and get on with your days. Yay. Amazing. Good to meet you guys. Yeah. All right. Bye, thank you. Well, w- hopefully one day when season five is out, you and I can get back regroup. on here, regroup, see yeah. what happens, see how where we're at. But for now, this is this is you signing off. This is the end of Victoria. End of an era. This was such a fun relationship with so many ups and downs. And weirdly, yes, it's about Issa and Lawrence, but every other person in the show has their own interesting stuff going on. And also they were weirdly involved in Issa and Lawrence's relation more than right. I think is probably normal. So yeah. find your own Lawrence, find your own Issa or Molly, whatever. Find your person. Find your person. So Victoria, tell, tell our listeners what, what couple would you be back for? Who would you want to talk about? One million percent scandal, Carrie Washington and Tony, Goldwyn. They play Olivia Pope and President Fitz. And it's the steamiest, most passionate, amazing, like eye contact across the room. I want to fuck you here and now in in this Oval Mm. Office. It's so good. And it's eight seasons long, so many ups and downs, so much scandal. But that's an incredible incredible show. We love Shonda Rhimes. I am confident that we will get to that couple eventually. Please. Okay, so we'll have you back. Um, in the meantime, do you want to tell people where to follow you? If there are things that you got going on? Just my Instagram handle. It's just Victoria Hoffman 27. My Twitter is not private after a weird Trump incident. Just mm. Instagram for now. And Victoria is a comedian. So you can follow her, you know, and you see her if you're in New York, see her on shows or, you know, if we continue doing Zoom shows, unfortunately, yeah. you, you know, you can see her digitally. Yeah. But I have been so grateful to have you on for this season. I think it's been amazing to have someone that isn't totally pro the protagonist because I think we need yeah. that to, you know, look at characters that we love a little more critically and learn from them better. So I've loved getting to know you. I've loved your perspective on this show. And I can't wait to have you back. We will regroup, we'll debrief. And I love that we have been agreeable opposites this entire time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
All right, everyone. So tune in next week. We have a new show, a new couple. It's a little bit nostalgic. So we'll this one will be taking it back in a very different couple than anything we've looked at so far. So tune in next week for our next couple. And until then, you can find us on social media and we will talk ship about all of Insecure, Issa, Lawrence, and our predictions for next season. Thank you so much for listening. And that is a wrap. everyone. Thank you for listening. That, as they say, is our show. We're here every Thursday talking ship about fictional people from television. And, you know, occasionally non-fictional people from our lives make their way in there. If you enjoyed, I know everyone tells you to do this, but a quick review and rating really does help out new podcasts like us quite a lot. Thank you to Vic Hoffman for being here this season. You can follow her on social media at Victoria Hoffman 27. You can follow the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast. And you can follow me at OnlyMegan815. Ask me why the 815, because it's not my birthday. It's much more embarrassing. Talking Ship is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. So thank you to the whole team there for helping make the show happen. And finally, thank you to Chris Meisner for composing this wonderful theme music. And if you haven't already flipped to your next podcast, you can hear it now beautifully fade out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.